Oh boy, there it is. Oh, We're boy. on. We're on. How I'm you leaving. Joe? I'm leaving the meeting. This meeting is being recorded by the host or Get participant. I'm not. I didn't sign you up. You don't want to be part of that. No. It's. I creepy. thought we were just gonna privately speak about murder. We're gonna. Well, it, I should have made it with these remote ones. I'm doing because I'm doing like fifty fifty for the time being. Yeah. Uh, and, and with the remote ones, it's always kind of an interesting thing to be like all right it's gonna tell him when you start recording carson was very <laughs> uncomfortable with his start <laughs> i feel like he genuinely was <laughs> well he went i started it because i was just in we we're just shooting the shit because you know he knows melody my wife better and yeah. she was around that day so she's like i want to come in and say hi to carson before you guys start oh, so they're yeah. chatting we're three of us are chatting i'm like yeah i'm just gonna start it surreptitiously <laughs> And uh, I'm trying to do it, (laughs) make it really organic, just get it fresh, get them fresh. That's how it is when you do aloes, yeah. That's true. The first, I think, yeah, aloes podcast was fun. I think the first 30 minutes of the episode I was on was us trying to figure out how to set up podcast yeah he he's been like that uh the one yeah. that he recorded with and i hope i'm not making him sound unprofessional but it's in the episode that i listen yeah to. no it's a fun it's a fun podcast good <laughs> it's a good time and I, I i think a big part of the charm of it is that he doesn't know what he's doing which is kind of what i'm doing yeah. with this you know i yeah. don't know shit you get to learn with him honestly mm-hmm <laughs> So I think it's, it's more like he doesn't pretend to be really good at it. No, and yeah, he's uh, he's honest about it. I'm guilty of that because I've done other podcasts. You can listen to my other attempts; they're still out there. You can listen to Popcorn oh, yeah. Farmers. You can listen to The House Is Open. Uh, they're oh. all they're they're fine, you know. Mm-hmm. But I, I I didn't know what I was doing. I still don't know what I'm doing. But I think I was right. trying to act as though I did. I think yeah. it was like, no, this is going to be a serious, because it was pandemic times. I couldn't go out and do stand-up, yeah. so it meant like, yeah. I was like, this is my, this is the only way I get by a microphone. Yeah. It's weird, because a lot of art that is like presented or performed, you have to pretend to like know what you're doing more than you do. You have to fake it. And that's like a big, it. yeah, it's like a big part of it. And then I think podcasting it sometimes works the other way around. Where well, it's weird and it's like, is it yeah. art or is it like, you know, this that's is true. Like anything weird, creative, we'll say anything is creative. And I, I, I like doing this, <clears throat> this specific, like the true crime thing. Cause you know me, I just like yeah. death and darkness and stuff, yeah. but I started, I think, the I think, <laughs> I think I had a similar experience when I found out you were doing this podcast. I had a similar experience with some other people where I was like, it reminds me of that one time Colin and I drove like in, in an hour like the quad cities or something and he talked about the whatever murder and then i said that to like demi or somebody and they were like yeah i think that Paul and i've had a similar like just us hanging out for like an hour plus and he's just talking about a murder (laughs) yeah i do i I do it it do be like that um when did we go to the quad cities when did we went down to do a show was it quad it might have been the cedar falls one of the cedar falls runs or no you know it was we went to tihi Teehees is what we did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's it was nice. Over the summer. And you're doing that. I, I mean, this is going to come out way after tonight. Obviously, this is not yeah. out today. But you're going Depends to do Peace Tree, right? Yeah, I've never done that before, so that'll be. Oh, I'm doing right. a couple. Uh, I'm doing a couple rooms in Iowa that I've never done before, uh, and that's honestly like just more makes it more fun for me. And I'm ending the weekend at Lucky Cat too, so that oh, it's like that's super fun. Yeah. Get to do new rooms and then pop back and see Haley and everyone. Yeah, Haley did an episode yeah. of the podcast a couple of weeks ago. That'll be dropping here. Oh, soon. nice. 
Yeah, oh, we did, yeah. A, did a nice little... that Talked about Leopold and Loeb, which is a good Chicago case. Should have... Oh, cute. I've done some Chicago cases, and I feel like I should have saved them for you because there's a guy in the Gacy case. This is... I know yeah. I said we weren't going to get into it, but I have to mention yeah. this because I think I talked about it on the Gacy episode that I put out that you were, you were listening to, but... Yeah. The lawyer, Gacy's defense attorney. <laughs> I'm so happy you're bringing this up. Okay, I did talk about it because I don't remember. Because I get, I don't, I don't know. If, I don't know if you, yeah, I don't know if you brought it up on that episode, but I, I think I know what you're about to say about him. Is it his he, voice? He's such a fucking Italian <laughs> Chicago dickhead. Like, because I watched part of that documentary, and he's so like. Yeah, we knew we knew he touched those kids. We knew he did some bad <laughs> stuff at that point. But here's the thing: is that this country is founded on the idea that a lawyer stands dutifully by his client, and like, and I'm a, and I'm a serious guy. And I'm a serious guy. I read his book. That guy wrote a book about the case. That was oh, okay. my main piece of like uh, like research for when I did the Gacy episode because I just I yeah. knew enough about the case that I knew I could just regurgitate the facts. I kind of wanted right. to get like a weirdly positive spin on it. And I oh, just, I, I like reading poorly written books by people who were involved in cases that I like. That's like, cool. yeah, there's a great, like I've been listening a lot. I've been obsessed with the podcast, cocaine and rhinestones. I don't know if I've talked to you about it. Um, no, but I've, I've heard you talk about it. I think, I yeah, don't know why I know the name of it. <laughs> because I, I think Peter <laughs> Basil and I talk about it a lot. He oh, okay. Into it. And, uh, he's a, it's just a one man history of country music podcast, but the sources are so well laid out that, and the way he yeah. talks about the unreliability of like artists, autobiographies and stuff. I'm like, I want to read more nonfiction oh, books okay. that have dubious credibility. <laughs> Oh, that's so funny. So I started with Sam Emirante's yeah. book about Gacy defending a monster. And the thing, and obviously I'm going to 2023 it, Sam Emirante said, the other reason it made me think of it, you make me think of it, because he says it like five times. He points out, he's like, I'm passionate. I'm Italian. Like, you got to understand, <laughs> like, this is why I got like angry at this point in the trial or whatever, because my client was whatever. They always, like, that's so, that's a very... <laughs> Wants to let you know what emotion he was feeling and why. Yeah, and it's <laughs> he was very like always, Chicago dad. Yes, he's very and well, and that book is pieced through him like starting his family and he just started yeah. his independent law process. I finished that oh, book boy. being like, man, lawyers are pieces of shit. <laughs> <laughs> I finished that book being like, I don't like lawyers anymore. Uh, but at any rate, it was, so it, it, it's, it's worth reading because he's also that guy. He's a judge now in the Chicago area. Yeah. Sam Emirante is the reason we have Amber alerts. So that's kind of a positive oh, that's spin on that. He's yeah. a big driving force behind that. But Joe Marino, good old boy, Joe. Uh, I'm, <laughs> oh, so gee happy to, I'm so happy to see you. It's been a I'm minute. so pumped to see you too, dude. Uh, it's so just, I'm here's my dog, by the way. Oh, that's so sweet. I've had so this this podcast. Oh my god, what a handsome pooch! She just threw her toy at me, that's why I brought it up. All right, oh, that's nice. I've had my dog has been in and out of these. I think in one of the last end of years, he just like barged in, yeah, and, uh, when I had somebody here in person, but yeah. It's been awesome. uh, pretty fun doing this whole thing, and uh, I'm yeah. excited to have you here because I like you. Uh, <laughs> I, I like you. Oh, thanks. I like seeing <laughs> you on stage. 
I was there. I'm I'm happy that I've gotten to see you blossom and continue to, oh, to blossom you. as a comic because I think you're a very yeah. funny young man. And oh, uh, you, you came out of Gogarty's class, right, at the University yes, of Iowa. Yes, I did. Yeah. Megan Gogarty, very fun playwright and comedian uh, mm-hmm. at the University of Iowa, teaches a stand-up class, right? Yes. What's yeah. the go? What goes into that? I don't. I've talked to people about it, and I get angry about it too quickly. So, like, I yeah. think I'm just jealous. <laughs> I remember. Well, what was happening was it for me. The reason I took it is I wanted to do stand up, and I saw that I could get class credit for it. So I was oh. like, "Well, I'm already going to start doing it." Because it was like the first semester. Joystick was opening their mic back up after COVID or something like that. Or oh man, yeah, it was close to that. So that so that's why I ended up joining the class, and it was cool. It was a lot more about conquering like stage fright and having confidence up there and not, you know, being like kind of being yourself and getting laughs rather than like pretending to be someone else just for the sake of getting a laugh, which those are things that I, it's not fun to admit that you need help with things like stage fright and that sort of thing. So it was, it was comforting to have way too much support, like Mm -hmm. way more support than you needed. But then what was cool is she did get down to like the structure of joke writing and yeah. how to punch up jokes. And we would just, the most productive stuff we did is we would just watch like a Chris Rock, like five minute set and just like pause it every 45 seconds and be like, all right, what did he do there? Yeah. And then it was accountability. She made you go to an open mic. I think it was something not, it was like every other week, like two a month or something very manageable. Yeah. But yeah, it was, it within it was just the nice theater? to meet other. Yeah. Go ahead. Was it within the theater department? I think it was. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Because it was I always nice wonder... to have a place to meet other kids who wanted to do to like write funny stuff. Because a lot of times, doing theater or or creative writing, I'm sure you remember. There's a lot of like just different genres in that, and they kind of feel like a completely different art form, like writing horror yes. versus writing comedy or something. Like just it can feel like that sometimes. So it was nice. It was nice as a way to meet 15 kids who also like stand up comedy oh, really quickly. Yeah. It's the thing when I think about, and the reason I say I'm jealous is because like, yeah, I did the whole like theater and creative writing track through school, but I didn't do like, uh, I didn't get a chance to do stand up stuff. There was like, yeah, my, my college experience with stand up was, was this, and it was, there was, (laughs) there was one bar on the hill near my campus at the university of Northern Iowa. Uh, which was not the library where we ended up doing a oh. show. This is a place down yeah. the way. The library did, had stand-up every once in a while, but it was like independent mm-hmm. showcases. There was one okay. open mic a month at uh, <laughs> at the Octopus. Which I, Do you know the Octopus yeah. up there? Yeah, that's, that's one a of fun the places place. I'm going for the first time. I'm in there tomorrow. Yeah, so That is my... It's- Favorite like college room. bar, favorite college bar of mine. That's that's you're gonna get into it because huh? Conyers is doing that, right? Is it Alex Conyers? Yeah, and, yeah. it is. Yeah, uh, he's a very fun guy, and they just did a big thing up there. I've it's been a struggle with people I know from Iowa on this podcast because I'm out in Portland now, not just to yeah. burn bridges and to shit talk yeah. people I don't like. Uh, by yeah, name. right. But that's, yeah. <laughs> I don't think, makes for very interesting uh, listener content for anybody who doesn't right. know those people. But, yeah, uh, 
That'd be really juicy for three viewers. <laughs> yeah, it'll, oh, people, like, yeah, exactly. Three to four people will think that, that it's really, really cutting, and one of them will be Carson. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, I I love going up there. The, the, the hack, I don't know if they still do this. I don't know when, okay. you, when you'll be up there, but it, uh, it's not a hack. It's just they have incredible deals at Octopus because they have PBR on tap, or at least they did when I was there. Whoa. And it was $2 PBR pints all day, every day. So both Friday after class when it was happy hour oh. and all day yeah. Sunday was happy hour. It was dollar PBR drafts. And that's, that's oh my God. <laughs> that is my fucking college experience. That's you just roll in there yeah. with a $10 bill and you have a good evening with your buddies. That's been one of the biggest transitions. It's been hard not to say it. I keep get, I get asked a lot on podcasts, like what's the difference between Iowa and Chicago comedy? And one of the ones I keep I keep not saying that I think of every time is that the beers are eight dollars. <laughs> I'm I'm going on dead sober every night, and it's not like an artistic choice. <laughs> yeah, but weed's legal in Chicago now, but that's expensive as fuck. Yeah, yeah, that's true. The that's first time I came back to Chicago for open mics, I watched a guy take a grinder out of his back pocket. And roll, he grind it up, and he rolled a blunt in a bike lane, and just smoked it in the street. And I was like, that part's not legal, but I like that we're getting close enough. No, but nobody cares. Like exactly, I, what I didn't realize out here in Oregon is that specifically in the city of Portland, all drugs are decriminalized. Oh, interesting. So you all can all drugs. All so there, there you will walk downtown and you'll see people smoking meth like in the street. Holy shit! And like doing heroin in like alleys. What was and the log? What was the logic behind this decision? To make the, lo- <laughs> the logic <laughs> behind it is to not. Uh, and I get it. it and I, I think they kind of based it on Am- the Amsterdam model, but I, you know mm-hmm. that's not going to work the same here. I don't think. Uh, and, yeah. And, we're kind of seeing the proof of it now because it's the idea. Well, if we don't, if we decriminalize it, that means the police don't just pick you up because they see you doing drugs in the street. Because okay, a, a big problem with unhoused people is the term you're supposed to homelessness. Um, but yeah. uh, but that you're not supposed to say homelessness because they do have homes. Tents are homes. Which I'm like, okay, fair. No, that makes sense. Like you're not. You're. That's so funny. They took that like that wooden kitchen sign that's like make this house a home and they were like we're gonna incorporate that <laughs> into the entire vernacular well i think <laughs> they're like the they idea. have homes okay they do have homes a home the hardest, okay it's, so they're it's, not homeless <laughs> it's classist for you to say that that person does not have a home just because they don't have a house yeah which is yeah. true which, which it's I just get. funny that I, I saw that on a on a like Oh, don't yeah. talk to me until I've had my morning coffee type sign. <laughs> oh, yeah, which is what you, 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 you shouldn't. But, yeah, so you can do – so stand-up shows are very fun. You just go outside, yeah. and you don't – I will usually bring a joint with me, but you don't have oh, to oh. because a million people are always smoking. Oh, whoa. So you can is just Is it legal like, there in general? Weed is completely legalized weed, here. Yeah, okay, okay. Um, yeah, weed so is... Okay. Weed and, and, and mushrooms are decriminalized, but there was a big controversy with some a mushroom dispensary that was selling, like, <laughs> poisoned shit. There was, like, you know, fecal oh matter in it and stuff, and oh, it gross. was making yeah. people sick. So, but yeah. yeah. Have you ever done mushrooms? I haven't. I have some. I don't know when I want to <laughs> use them. I, I, like, I've been... I've just, like... Had, 
It was that night at uh, Joyce that you and I were giving oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. mushroom. We were both and, giving them. And I've, that was funny. You texted me to do the podcast, and the last text was me saying, hey, did you do those mushrooms? Like, were they were they? <laughs> oh, yeah, fine? I forgot about that. Or did you yeah, get sick? And you, and, you, and you said, just take them, you coward. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't respond to my question at all. You were like, just do it. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. And I've, well, I've been waiting for the perfect moment, and it hasn't. I don't know. I'm living at home. It hasn't popped up yet. But oh, of course. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, I'll, I get I'll, that. I'll find a, a moment for it. There's no there's no rush. All right. You want to talk about this murder? <laughs> Let's talk about this murder. Let's Joe. talk about murder. Because this is going to be a good one. This is I like this case. I just read about this recently, or I have this job now, uh, uh, so I have a lot of time uh, during the day while I'm working to listen to stuff, so I've been listening to a lot of audiobooks and stuff for research and this one came across my 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 audible profile because uh, it's written by this guy uh harold Schechter is this incredible true crime author if you're interested in true crime at all uh, and any listeners who should i've shouted him out several times because i've used several of his books already on the podcast he's an incredible writer cool. you should look up his stuff harold Schechter. so we're going to be talking cool. about this guy who kind of uh, was an interesting character. He's not super well-known. This guy named Charles Schmid, also known as the Pied Piper of Tucson. <laughs> Why does he sound like a, a gunslinger you have to Charles shoot before Schmid. you can... Yeah, he does. Before you can get into the saloon. <laughs> because he's a silly feller, and uh, he's, a, he's a weird guy. Uh, a Google search of Charles Schmidt will turn up a really weird-looking picture. Uh, he's a weird-looking dude. He was called the Pied Piper of Tucson because he had a tendency to have a bunch of, uh, like, teenage followers, kind of. Not so much like a Charles Manson cult deal. He just, people liked him for whatever reason. Young people thought okay. he was cool. And they would, this is the mid-60s, so the, the seeds of hippieism and rebellion are starting to bubble. So the kids are looking for a role model. And who do they turn to? This dude who wears really fucking weird makeup. We're going to get into it. Oh, interesting. Also, I'm just imagining you at work. Headphones. So much of your life is murder now. I'm so realizing. So much of my life is murder. You're just listening at an eight-hour shift. You got podcast in, and there's customers coming by, and it's just like gory details. It's and not even you go home because I'm, I'm a janitor. You go home and you talk I'm about not... more. <laughs> but yeah. like, people are walking through the building, and they're like, yes. "Oh, this is a good hard oh, man." An, but I'm looking and, like and, I look like this. It, like... Yeah, yeah, and they're like, "Oh, maybe he's listening <laughs> to, to anything nice." <laughs> And you're no, you're the worst nightmare version of of what <laughs> what your face can bring. Oh yeah, I have a constant <laughs> symphony of horror going on in my mind at yeah. all times. I'm working on yeah. too. It's funny we were talking about like horror writing. I'm working on some some screenplays and some scripts that are more along cool. like the horror like angle of stuff. It's just fun to be spooky and gross like to me yeah i i find a lot of comfort in that cool. because it's 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 like cathartic almost i think is like what yeah. a lot of people talk about with like horror movies and true crime stuff it's like i'm facing some truly it, like it's not like i'm desensitized i know that what i'm talking about is horrible but yeah to, to like confront it on my own terms is almost like a way of dealing with it and a way of like training oh, my brain to think I, I i'm making it sound a lot more heady than it is i just really yeah. like it but like yeah <laughs> but let's let's talk about old schmitty so schmitty was born uh july 8th 1942 in tucson arizona 
He was born to an unwed, an illegitimate son to an unwed uh, young mother, and he was adopted at birth by Charles Senior and Catherine Schmidt. There uh, at Schmid, S C H M I D, not Schmidt, Schmid. It's weird. Already a red flag. Already weird. Like I, I really like and I'm very uncomfortable with names that cut off like abruptly. Yeah. And like it like needs an extra. Knows. It needs another syllable there for it. Needs yeah. another T. Schmidt is is just the German version of Smith, you know. So Schmidt oh, is weird. probably some kind of uh, bastardization of that. Um, but yeah. he's a fellow Cancer. <laughs> Fun fact: he's a fellow. Hey. His birthday's one day after mine. What? What? I don't. I mean, when is your birthday? <laughs> July seventh. He's July eighth. Oh, okay, I was gonna say what months are cancer, and then you were like, "It's right by my Can- birthday," and I yeah, was like, "Cancer well, is I don't know your birthday." <laughs> the it, it's always by the twenty first, isn't it? That that are like the days. So I think it's June twenty first to July twenty first is is okay. the cancer time. Is there twelve uh, astrological signs? Like, is it with the month? It's almost down to the month. I, I should know this better living in Portland now. I've been doing a bit about how I don't know enough about astrology to live here. Astrological oh, signs. I have a computer right here. Yeah, I guess there is 12. Yeah, so, 12 z- z- dates and traits. Okay, and they line up like with the first and last like 10 days of each month is when they change, right? About, yeah. Like around there? Like, yeah, it's like the 21st and the 19th. The 20th, 21st is around there. Aries. Okay. Yeah, it's, yeah that's funny. Uh, it's weird because when you start learning about stuff, it is true. I, I don't know if they're kept intentionally vague to make people identify with them more or mm-hmm. if it's, you know, a, I don't know, or, or, or if it's legitimate. And I, I like the idea that the stars play a part in our lives and our moods. I, I take great comfort in that as opposed to the idea yeah. of like a God. This is a, no, it's, it's. No, I've I've also thought about that. Yeah, it's it, it would be really cool if there was science behind our emotions beyond like what's going on inside your own body. Yes, I think that that would be a very nice thing to look at and know. And for a lot of people, it, 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 it's yeah. enough. But for I, I think the the demographic of people who tend to support it tend to be like the the status quo tend to find them very grating. A lot of a lot of. Like, I do a, p- a yeah. thing in the bit where I'm like, it's not always a white woman, but yes, it is. Um, <laughs> like, who has an issue with this? But anyways, back to Shady. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so apparently he, are, he, he, uh, he eventually did track down his biological mother uh, later in life. Uh, but that was, this is the only time, it, uh, there's always a point in these killers' lives where you go, oh, that sucks. This guy never had a chance. This is the only real time with Charles Schmidt. Uh, is that he fa- tracked down his bio mom and she apparently angrily rejected him. Was just like, don't fucking go. I, I gave you up for a reason, dipshit. Um, <laughs> like, uh, and, you know, apparently that's just... it's that sad. Like, that's objectively that's, sad. That's the that's like the nightmare, worst case scenario fear of anyone meeting if their biological parent. Yeah. yeah. So, Shouldn't do it. If you're adopted, keep, keep, just, just stay with those... Build, those Build those walls. Keep your guard up. Never trust anyone. No, damn straight. Uh, <laughs> yeah, blood don't mean a thing. Blood don't really mean all that much at all. Like, anyway, so he had a he had apparently argued a lot and had a really gnarly relationship with his adopted dad. First off, here's a weird thing: if you adopt a kid, 
Also, I'm going to say, Whoa. don't name it Junior. Okay. Because yep. I feel like you're just trying to make it so that you didn't adopt him. Like, you're trying to psych everybody out. No, no, no. He's my son. He's the junior. Because Charles Schmidt is Charles bit like Schmidt off-brand. Jr. Yeah. yeah. And I like, feel I like know it's... My, yeah. My dad doesn't buy Cheerios. He buys Honey O's, and it's the same thing, and they're just lower quality. And I think that's what you're doing when you're adopting a kid and calling him junior. I think it's you, not... <laughs> you wanted um, a, a biological... You wanted progeny... You couldn't have yeah. it for whatever reason, or you decided to do this. Yeah. I don't know. I think the idea of naming kids junior or name like is already kind of weird. I know it's like tradition. Yeah. I never like. Yeah. I never. But at least it's when it's your own kid, you're like, ah, what, what am I gonna? I gotta call him stuff. Then he's right yeah, here. What are we I, gonna I mean, do? That, but like, you went out and you sense. got one. You went out and you found a junior. Yeah. You're like, you you checked out babies, and you were like, this one looks more like a Mac. Let me find one that looks like it could be a mini me. <laughs> Charlie. Let me look for a Charlie. That's the thing. I yeah. think you're just, and maybe that's why they argued a bunch. Maybe Charlie just couldn't yeah. live up to the standards of being this perfect son. And I wonder yeah. with adoptive parents, because like, and maybe the reason I have a blind spot with it, because I, I don't know my biological father. I don't really care. You know, yeah. I have a fam. I have a very nice family, you know, set up. Oh, I'm not, I'm yeah. not wanting for a father figure. So the idea of this male right. like line and the junior has always been like, why didn't you give him his own fucking name? Like, you're just like, it feels he's weird not to you. name a kid after yourself. Yeah. <laughs> he's not like your little video game. You get no, to play. like, he's going to be his whole like- own little guy. Everything we've learned about parenting in the last, like, 50 years seems to really fly in the face of that being a good idea, which is, you know, let the kid have their own interests. Listen to them when they say they don't like something. Like, you know, don't try to force them (laughs) to do the things that you like to do at their age. Pay attention to what they talk to them, you know. And then to, to, like, have all that teaching and be like, also call him your exact name. Yeah, exactly. I don't know. And then when they change it just a little bit, like the dad, they're both Robert, but the dad goes by Rob and the kid goes by Bobby. Like, that's fucking Yeah. Like, just give him a different name if you were going to give him a different name. I always think about, I knew a kid growing up who, uh, I think his dad's name was, like, Brian, or, no, what was his dad? Whatever it was, he was named after his dad, but he went by his middle name. And I always think, like, is the dad pissed? Like he went through his whole life. It was like, I'm going to have a kid and he's going to have my name and it's going to be sick. And he's going to be a little mini me. And the kid is like, actually, I like your middle name better. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. No, dads are weird. I, I don't know. Yeah. This is why I don't really want to be one. I've thought about the idea of adopting. Oh yeah. 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 Well, I don't want to, we're not interested in my wife and I okay. having biological <laughs> children. We're just not okay. like we, the thing is we have friends now that have kids like you know, Marshall yeah. has a kid. Like yeah. I, I, I have one of my closest friends growing up has a kid. Uh, my sisters have children. Some of Melody's yeah. friends have kids. I'm seeing people of my age group as parents now. And I'm like, do not want that. Really? Yeah, I'm good. At least Good and for maybe, you for maybe, knowing. Yeah. Well, and I think it was like a default for a really long time. Like when I was a teenager, mm-hmm. I think it was like, yeah, eventually I'll get married and then I'll have kids. You know. That's yeah, just, that's it just seems like something you'll do. Yeah. Yeah, but then I've gotten into the point where it kind of snuck up on me, where I'm like, oh, I'm the age that people are doing that. It's not if yeah. I were to declare that I'm pregnant tomorrow, someone of yeah. my age would not be someone like nobody would be like, oh, that's soon. 
Like, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm 27. Like, that's when people yeah. have kids. Like, people would just be like, oh, another one. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You would just be another friend having a kid right now. Yeah. But I like, uh, but I thought about the idea of adopting. And I think if you go through the trouble to pay for a child that is not your blood and then you give it your name, you're just really acting out some self fulfilling prophecies. But it's just. That feels like buying a purebred dog for some reason. <laughs> That's very funny. But uh, so he, uh, besides this though, besides arguing a lot with his dad, his adoptive yeah. father, I, they didn't, he did, he seemed to have a pretty nice home life, not really abusive. Can which I? Is pretty yeah. Rare. Yeah. First of all, they usually have abuse, like murders. They have some form of, like, some oh, history yes. of abuse. Uh, and then also, it must have been. I don't know, something specific about his upbringing, maybe. I don't know. But I'm just curious about the type of person who adopts a kid and then accidentally raises it to be a serial killer. Right? I, well, there had to be something else going on, wouldn't you? Think? Yeah. Like, uh, like no, what I, a flop. <laughs> Imagine being like, like, oh, we can't get pregnant. Oh, maybe <clears throat> God doesn't want us to have kids. And then it's like, no, hey, you could have a kid. There are other ways to have a child. And then you raise one and you're like, see, there was a plan out for me. And then it grows to be a serial killer. And you're like, oh, maybe I shouldn't have had a fucking kid the whole time. Yeah, you feel horrible. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that would be so, so bad. That would be. Oh, and it ruined uh, his uh, adoptive parents ended up getting divorced years later, I think, when before Whoa. his crimes. But okay. his um, mom, his adopted mother and her new husband went like lived in total poverty after this case blew up because they paid for all of his legal fees Whoa. like his lawyer cuz no matter yeah. what if you're proven guilty you're paying that money and he was uh he wasn't yeah. a minor but they covered all of his legal fees and he couldn't pay them cuz oh, he's shit. in fucking prison so they lived the rest of their lives like pretty much in poverty uh because of his Whoa. actions that's the thing this guy was a a ruiner he was he fucked yeah. up people's lives left and right, and he didn't give a shit. Like he was he's a real piece of shit. There's a lot of similarities between him, Charles Schmidt, and Charles Starkweather, who I talked about with Carson. Uh, and I okay. picked that one for Carson because he kind of knew about that story because it happened in his hometown. Uh, cool. Mostly, it happened in Lincoln. So, uh, but anyway, so Charlie Schmidt, uh, he he his parents really kind of spoiled him like by his teenage years they bought him a car they bought him a motorcycle Ooh. they gave him a 300 dollars a week allowance and uh, they just let him live so he 300 dollars a, a week in the 40s a week in the 60s so this is <clears throat> the mid 60s this is probably 1964 yeah, oh um but that's Whoa. good money that's he's running yeah. around a week that's probably like close to 800 bucks a week now like just farting around money and he's not yeah. really working, and he's living on their property, but not in their house. <clears throat> Whoa! So the Schmids ran a nursing Fuck home. This guy, yeah. And I think they lived like near the property, and they had like a, <clears throat> the way I understood it in Schechter's book, they had like a shack on like the edge of the property that they let him move into when he yeah dropped out of high school. Because that's the thing, he Whoa. was apparently all of his teachers thought he was pretty smart throughout school. They thought he was kind of a dick. He was a like a pathological liar. We'll get into that later. Mm-hmm. But he had like average grades, and he was a really good athlete. He was a fantastically gifted gymnast uh, through okay. high school. Like on the fucking what's the thing with the the rings? Is are they just called the rings? I think the rings. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so the rings. He was really good at the rings. Uh, yeah. Even when he was uh, as a junior, he took his high school to the state championship for gymnastics, 
and uh, was a major contender. And he could have probably gotten a scholarship and had a, you know, gone to college and had like a, a, a decent life of a young athlete where you burn out and then you start coaching in your late 20s. Yep. <laughs> my, my dream when I was 12. Oh yeah, that's everybody's dream, kind of. That my mom yeah. went to college for physical education. I'm like, were you just planning yeah. to be a failed <laughs> high school athlete? She was like, were you, were you planning to not make it? <laughs> yeah, she. I think she just liked be, like working. With I would have loved it. Yeah, oh, right. Yeah. I was never good yeah. at sports. Like I was always yeah. very like when I tried really hard, I was average. Yeah. I just don't have the body for it. I don't have the, like... It sucks how, like, publicly embarrassing it is to be bad at sports. Because, well, like, I I like to draw. I'm not good at it, but I can draw every day and no one ever hurts my feelings about it. But, like, if I like basketball and I'm not good at it, I have to let people watch me suck at basketball if I want to play yeah, it at all. exactly. Ever. And yeah. as a kid in the Midwest, you know, so much shit around growing up is revolving around sports. So much of like it's your social sports. life. I'm sure yeah. for you, cause you were an athlete, like right up to it. Yeah. And baseball player. Yeah. So like all of it, all of your, yeah, like your, your entire life. And if you're it not shapes good who you at are. it, it's just it, it, like all my friends yeah. are good at it. It's like, you can like, be oh. in debate team or science Olympiad and it, like those are your other options. For a yeah. friend group. Well, and when you yeah, get to high school, stuff kind of widens up because that's like when I found like theater and I started doing band yeah. pretty early. Okay. But like, and there was some crossover. You were in band? Yeah, I was in band. What what uh, what position did you play? What position? Instrument. <laughs> <laughs> I started at a trumpet and then I moved cool. in high school to euphonium, the baritone, like a mini tuba. Whoa. Uh, cool. Because there were not enough people who wanted to play the euphonium. In the marching band. We had a massive marching band. Our marching band in yeah. my high school was bigger than any of the state college's marching bands. Holy um, shit. And most high schools only do... Uh, I still brag about this because it's the only thing I'm yeah. proud of about my high school. Is that yeah. we uh, are... Uh, most high schools make one halftime show and they do it throughout the football season. We did a new yeah. one every week. Like our band class was going out on the field and doing drills. Um they took it fucking seriously. Um, but you we sound didn't like compete. Jerry Seinfeld bragging about coming up with new material all the time. Oh, it was... New set uh, every week. <laughs> new set every week. It was great. And uh, we, we really played cool. Fallout Boy covers. It was fucking tight. Um, oh, yeah, but uh, so anyways, uh, getting back to Charlie. Charlie, uh, by his teenage years, like a lot like Charles Starkweather, was obsessed with James Dean, obsessed with Elvis Presley, became like a rock and roller greaser type. You know, okay. starts wearing leather jackets, <laughs> slicking his hair back. You know, he's also trying to emulate the look. He starts wearing makeup. He starts wearing like pancake pat batter as makeup. Um, oh! If you look up a picture of Charles Schmidt, you'll see a lot of ones where he's got this big, weird, like patch on yeah. his eyebrow. Um, okay. Like in between on his nose, and it was to—I think it's to make it, the bridge of his nose look wider, so he looked more like Elvis Presley, and to make his oh. eyebrows farther apart, so he looked a little bit more feminine. But it Bro, just looks like a handsome man. He was a good-looking guy. He didn't need to Ed put Bundy a bunch of who? shit on his face. Oh my god! Yeah. See. How is there documentaries on Ted Bunny, not this dude? He was way better. I think he's better looking, and uh, you. Can I think he's way better looking. Everybody in high and school. And he thought, was into cosmetics. He was yep, a modern he was man trying to be effeminate. He a did bit. did use pancake batter, and it is clear it's not 
fucking oh, makeup. Also, that big fucking mole on his face, I that's mean, this, fake. He looks like the lobster. and Yeah. Yeah, no, this is a blob of fake flesh. Anyways. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that big beauty mark on his face on his uh, face is fake. Uh, he also tried to make oh, himself cool. taller because he was not very tall. He was like 5'5", five, 5'4". Five, five, uh, okay. Which is not super short. I'm only 5'8". Like, yeah, nothing wrong okay. with that. Uh, but he tried to make himself taller by wearing, like, cowboy boots, and he would stuff them with newspaper and beer cans. So, and it made it so he couldn't fucking walk. Like, he had a limp all the time for it. It sounds like, terrible. I'm tall. Yeah. yeah, he's just torturing himself. He's just walking around and also, pissed yeah. off all day. Now he's just a limping guy who's 5'7". I don't... Uh-huh. You know exactly. what's weird is we, every time you see a tall person, they get asked if they play basketball a lot. Yeah. It would be so insulting and so funny if every time you saw a short person, you asked if they were a gymnast or a, a jockey. I guess jockey is too direct, but if you asked if yeah. they were a gymnast, because that feels like it's almost a compliment. All right, sorry. I don't know why I went. All right. It's <laughs> <laughs> totally good, man. No, so uh, like I said, he kind of had average intelligence. Uh, he he uh, was, like I said, really good gymnast, but by the time he got his senior year, he was uh, he stole some uh, tools from, the, I think, the parts shop at his high school. <clears throat> And was okay. suspended and just never came back. Um, All right. And at this point, he gets to live out on his parents' property. He's getting 300 bucks a week for doing fucking nothing. And by his early 20s, so by the time he's 21, 22, like 1963, 64, uh, he's kind of a cult hero around the teenagers in Tucson because they're kind of like, you know, if there's any disaffected kids who like oh. don't fit in, he becomes like this yeah. anti-establishment kind of. He's like the guy at your high school who was a couple years graduated that you went to for beer, you know? And yeah. And you go over to his house for a party, you know? And he was creepy because he would hit on all the young girls, you know? Yeah. But that's That's who exactly who I'm of, picturing. Yeah, he was that guy. But people like Local liked legend is always national criminal. <laughs> <laughs> so I wanted to give you some context, some history on where we're at in this story, where where America's at, where the world is at, you know? Has the movie Chucky come out? The movie Chucky has not come out. That came out in 1990-something. So he's, okay, so he's the only Charles murderer at this point. No, there was uh, there was Charles Starkweather that was in the Starkweather. late 50s. Starkweather. Starkweather, and we're a couple of years yet. How could you forget? <laughs> Natural Born Killers. Uh, the Nebraska song by Spruce, Bruce Springsteen. We talked about this in Carson's episode. Okay. Keep an eye out for that. Uh, but you're gonna you're gonna love it. But uh, so in the mid '60s, like I said earlier, it's kind of we're starting to see the the seeds of the counterculture. The hippie movement is kind of starting to you know people cool. are getting a little bit groovier. You know we're not quite fully. We've got people. We've got boots on the ground in Vietnam, but we're not totally escalated yet. This is you know 1965 ish, 66. You know okay, okay. things. It's still very scary. People are freaked out, and also teenagers this time are like if. The fucking grown-ups decide we're going to war. We're the ones who have to go fucking do war. Yeah. Holy like, shit. Like, that's... I think that's, that's why... Go on. Is that, I mean, No, I was going to say that's crazy. Is that, that's probably why he had his little following. Is because he yeah. was, fuck all that. Mm-hmm. Very much so. He was so... like That's literally my next <laughs> point. was like, any disaffected kids who weren't down with that? Yeah. Any kid who was like maybe a little bit wise beyond their years or a little bit rebellious in any way mm. just glommed on to this dude 
Yeah. Um, and started, and that's like that's being a teenager, if you ask me. Like you, yeah. when I was like thirteen, there was this kid weirdly I knew in Boy Scouts. Um, who I thought was cool as fuck because he was in a hardcore band and he smoked yeah. cigarettes. And That's all it takes, just, right? And <laughs> his dad just made him do Boy Scouts to spend time with him or whatever. And he came from like this weird yeah. family kind of, and we hung out and uh, he. We, I went to hardcore shows with him or whatever, and I was like, "Oh, this guy's super cool." And like two years later, I'm in high school with him, and I'm like, "This guy's a fucking deadbeat." Like, That's what I'm saying, dude. dude. All like all of college, even like when freshmen are hanging out with seniors or like a, a freshman girl is like hooking up with a senior guy. I'm always like, yeah. And then especially, it was very rewarding when I became a senior, and I was like, because the whole time I was like, I know that that guy seems cool because he's because he's older, but he's a weird who what what twenty two year old is like sniffing around fucking eighteen year olds. I don't know. It, it, it's always a weird guy. And then I became a senior, and I was like, okay, so these are the kids who are looking out for the oh, freshmen. Yeah. Yeah. And basically, this is going to get weirder in terms of that, because that's the age group we're kind of talking about, but even okay. more disparate. So yeah. Tucson, also Tucson, Arizona, this time, I keep thinking, every time I was writing this script, I kept thinking of fucking What We Do in the Shadows, the TV yeah. show, okay. of Matt Berry, and have you seen the show? I have not. <laughs> okay, well, you should watch it, it's a lot of fun. Okay. Uh, but it, there's there's a lot of people who know the show will know because he says this is how we talk in Tucson, Arizona. It's, it's <laughs> so every time I wrote Tucson, I, that came into my head. Um, but uh, yeah, it didn't have a whole lot going on. So a lot of the things that the kids did, it was still a fairly conservative town out there in the southwest. It's in the desert, you know, Tucson. Yeah. So the disaffected youth, as they were known at the time, all they had to do was just drive around this one big strip in town, drink beer and hang out in the desert. So that's what Schmitty and his buddies did. Or they'd hang out at his shack and like listen to records and listen to him like talk about like, I want to rob a bank. I robbed a bank. I killed this guy. Like he was a notorious, he was a pathological liar. Okay. Yeah. Um, kind of like Natalie Portman in Garden State. Which I have also not seen. You fucker. Um, <laughs> Garden State, watch it once, you're going to like it. You're going to be like, oh, that's nice. And then if you ever watch it a second time, you're going to be like, this was good once. Like, <laughs> this is the worst movie review, like, worst movie recommendation. I don't know. Not, not bad in a fun way. Not, like, the best movie. Oh, ever. there's parts of it that are bad in a fun way. There's parts of it that are really fucking funny, too. Okay. Peter Sarsgaard's in it, and he's very funny. He's okay. like a deadbeat stoner character. Jim Parsons... Uh, it plays the guy who's fucking his mom, and he's wearing he's wearing a knight costume at the breakfast table the night after fucking the dude's mom because he works at medieval times. <laughs> That's good. Okay. And he's that... like, I'm not a knight yet. I'm still a squire or something to that effect. <laughs> so I like that. But anyways, me marketing really I need for that movie. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. Well, this is I I like talking to you, Joe. It's hard to keep on track. Oh, and like. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so uh harold Schechter, the author i was taught the true crime writer i was talking about points out that uh starkweather charles starkweather and charles manson you know the hippie death cult guy uh both fit like perfectly into their respective eras in terms of what like 
in terms of being a threat to like good old school American values, kind of in terms okay. of like true crime. So in the late fifties, you got Starkweather, and you also have the case the the Holcomb, the Clutter family murders. You know that inspired In Cold Blood. That is that is the story of In Cold Blood. Okay. Which uh, I don't know if you've read that. You might have come across that in college. I've not. Give it a read, Joe. If you if you're at all interested in true crime, you got to get that's the I've first been, true I've been crime getting classic. In Cold first Blood. True crime classic. Truman Capote in Cold Blood. Uh, it's a story about two dudes who just go to a farmhouse and kill everybody there. Um, dudes yeah, over money. It's fun. It, dudes, <laughs> dudes, it kind of turned into a dudes weekend because they went to Mexico afterwards to try to <laughs> escape. To find some cocaine and also escape from the law. <laughs> mm-hmm. So uh, that's what you've got going on in like the late 50s. And that was terrifying because it was, this isn't supposed to happen to nice white America. Like that's something that happens in the cities. But these were small town affluent people who were getting murdered in their homes. And that scared the shit out of conservative America. And then later in the late 60s. And also I, I I bet liberals were afraid of the murder. Yes. Not so divided, are we, Colin? No, no, no. I'm not. Do you identify as a conservative, Joe? Get out of here. (laughs) (laughs) Not at all. (laughs) But no, there is this. We need right now. Anyways. Maybe. Someone step up. (laughs) (laughs) Someone be the next Charles Manson. Is that what you're asking for? A little bit. Start Start the race war that he thought he could start. Yeah. Um, but uh, Charles Manson fits into that in the late 60s because he is the worst example of a hippie. He was a hippie who was such a hippie he was a murderer. Like, <laughs> or he could command yeah. your young your young children to murder. And this narrative was not helped along very well uh, and was furthered, actually, by uh, Vincent Bugliosi, who was the prosecutor in the Manson case. And okay. uh, he... Uh, Really thought Manson was a cult leader. I think if you had asked Manson, though, he would have more thought of himself as a pimp. Like, he just really thought... Like, his whole thing was turning out girls and getting them to fuck other people so that they would give them stuff, like, money and opportunities. Which arguably makes him, like, the most authentic cult leader of them all. Yeah, that's... I mean, he's he's genuinely He wasn't in it to be a a cult leader of any kind. He was just a psychopath. I think... I mean, he liked the power. I mean, he liked having power over people. But... But... Charles Schmidt kind of bridges the gap and he's not as well known of a murder case, but he kind of fits into that murky area where, you know, like I said, we haven't totally gotten into Vietnam, but it's not society isn't as conservative as, as it was in the fifties. The idea of this murder could happen to quote unquote normal people in quote unquote nice parts of the country. Okay. Um, and this also comes around the time of Richard Speck. Richard Speck was a little bit after this, and that was a big case that I'm looking forward to covering. Because um, that was one... Home invasion true crime stories, I think, are especially terrifying because you're supposed to be safe at home. Um, yeah, right. Excuse me. It's why home invasion like horror movies, I think, are so terrifying, too. Yeah. But, well, because once they can get in... I mean, you break one window, and then there's... If they can get in through a window, there's how many windows in your home? It's terrifying, and it's, yeah. like I said, it's just the idea that you should be safe at home. You let your guard yeah. down at home. Yeah. But, Anyways. okay, so let's get into... So that's why you should fear so. murder, everyone. <laughs> that's why you should fear murder, because it could happen in your house. So, um, let's get into some murder, speaking of. Uh, so, 
Schmidt had a buddy guy named John Saunders who lived with him in this shack on his parents' property. And he also had a girlfriend. This is 1964 that this is happening. So he had a girlfriend nice. named Mary... Not, yeah. Also, big thing that happened around this time, Kennedy assassination. That fucked a lot of people up mentally, seeing oh, okay. the president's head get blown off, like, in yeah. the middle of the street. Uh, you know, yeah, that fucked people shit. up. That's that fucked people up. That was this probably is why, than anything that was on TV at that time. Oh, oh yeah. Life, national event. Yeah. Well, and then the guy who shot him, we think. Right. Um, was then shot on national TV. <laughs> For everybody to see. Like, this is why I'm not necessarily, I I have a lot of uh, beef with boomers, uh, although my parents are. But Mm -hmm. I think because of that, I also have a lot of, like, empathy for them because shit was getting really real at that point. Yeah. And now, uh, but now they also have no perspective of, like... It now doesn't seem as bad as back then, so they have a lot of removal from it. I'm like, but everything that's happening now is because you guys gave up back then. Like, yeah, you like guys when saw, you got like really, you guys saw the president's head get blown off, and then really just kind of gave up on. Uh, yeah, well, you took to the streets, and then you took to the streets to protest this war and protest civil rights and everything. And then when the war ended kind of after a long time, and then you decided you hit 30 and then you needed to have a job. Like everything went out the window, like all of those ideas. Generation generation. of of hacks. If you ask me. Yeah. Well, the hippie movement was kind of bullshit. Like it was kind of just a moment in time. The hippies grew up to be people who specifically hate hippies. Is well, specifically hate a different generation of yes. hippies. Yeah. Of, which, by the way, I would say Gen Zers and like progressive millennials and stuff are far more like well researched and far yeah. more like than the 1960s and 70s hippies. Yeah. No offense to my parents. God love you, but like, yeah, you know, like, well, they had no I'm sorry. Or anything. They were just like, don't. Hit people was their we're whole literally <laughs> like you guys were protesting a war. We're literally like the world's gonna be uninhabitable in like ten years. So yeah. how about you sh- shut the fuck up? Uh, <laughs> but anyway, so he had this girlfriend, Mary French. One night they're all hanging out, the three of them at Charlie's shack, and Charlie goes, "I feel like killing a girl tonight." So wow. they all get into his car. And they drove over to the house of Eileen Rowe, who was 15. This is on May 31st, 1964. And uh, Eileen lived uh, home with her mother, who was divorced. So it was just the two ladies against the world. Um, Mm -hmm. She had asked, uh, Eileen had had plans that night to go out and hang out with some friends. But then she told her mom, as her mom was leaving for work, so she would be home alone at night, uh, said, you know what, I don't think I'm going to go. I think I'm tired. I'm just going to hang at home. And uh, then her mom went to work and never saw her daughter alive again. So um, because Charles Schmidt and John Saunders and Mary French rolled up and Eileen didn't want to go, but Mary being, this is one of those really upsetting moments for me with these cases when like the somebody who has really insidious intentions like ropes someone else into it and that person's almost like bait like uh weird yeah this happens a lot and it they do it to put their victim potential victim at ease so 
Eileen Rowe probably wouldn't have gotten in a car with this older guy. She's 15. He's 22. Yeah. And his buddy, who's like 18, and this girl, who's like 17, she only got in because there oh, was a girl you there. Yeah. I'm saying. It's like yeah. the Green River Killer who... Yeah. Yeah, the Green River Killer, or just another girl. It's like, oh, they can't be mean. This girl's cool with them. Like, Damn, so she, she had plans with friends and then skipped them and then gotten there. I think so. Imagine being the girl who got canceled on uh, so that you could hang out with the serial killer. You're so relieved, but then also... Socially, socially you're worse than a serial killer is what that sounds like. That's very funny. But um, (laughs) it's the same thing with Gary Ridgway, the Green River Killer. He used to do this thing because he killed um, sex workers. So in order to disarm sex workers... He would sometimes bring his son, like his five, six-year-old son, in the car wow. with him to be like, it's all cool. I got my kid with me. We're just going to go run some errands. You need a ride? Like, that kind of shit. Oh, to get and them then, to get in the car. Which yeah, and then eventually not. it would be, oh, you're a sex worker. There. How about I pay you for sex? And then we'll go off in the woods and fuck while I leave my kid in the car. And then he'd murder him. And uh, that He did kid, that a couple times. That kid should get the chair, in my opinion. But- <laughs> <laughs> that's just me i don't know yeah uh, <laughs> uh, look if it happens once who hasn't accidentally watched their dad murder a guy but that is a when you don't upsetting... know you don't know your da- dad's murder whatever but when you see it the dad's second murder. time that's when you say something and this kid broke the bro code in that way and for that well, he was like four or five joe i don't think he understood what his father was doing and when four or five-year-olds were in some other thing that... Were you going to say when there were four or five-year-old Nazis, were you going to bring Nazis into it? No, I don't know where I was going, and then I thought of Nazis, and I was like, let's it's, say Nazi. That's pretty on board, yeah. <laughs> the ultimate open mic cop-out. <laughs> no, it's fun. It's fun to do. Ugh. Ugh. So... He, uh, Eileen gets in the car, long story short. They drive out to the desert, this desert area near a golf course. Um, they left Mary in the car, and John and Eileen and Charlie went out and took a walk. And, uh, Charlie apparently at one point, uh, attacks, uh, Eileen and, uh, rapes her. And then tried to force John to do the same, but John couldn't do it. So he turns around, and then Charlie uh, kills Eileen Rowe by smashing her head with a rock. Um, He then goes back to the car, leaves the body, goes back to the car with John, tells Mary, hey, come here. Takes a shovel out of the trunk. They go and bury her uh, somewhere in the desert. So who is married to Charles? They were dating, kind of off and on. Yeah, she was uh, very clingy, uh, though. Uh, Harold Schechter kind of describes her as pretty plain-looking and pretty insecure, so the fact that Charlie gave her... Brutal to be described gave as her In a fucking true crime book where you're not the victim... Where it's not relevant? <laughs> it's somewhat <laughs> relevant. Uh, because apparently... Charlie person. just kept her around to fuck every once in a while, like when he couldn't get laid otherwise. Yeah. 
Well, that's crazy. But he was always dating. He was, uh, as opposed to many serial killers, he was very popular with the ladies. He just seemed to be like a massive misogynist at the same time. Yeah. Because uh, he was known to fucking smack around his girlfriends and stuff. He was a real, he's a that's real terrible. Head, Charlie. Yeah. So yeah. she watches him commit sexual assault in the desert. She doesn't watch. She's in the car, apparently, okay. the whole time. She's in the car. Like, I wonder what they're doing. I wonder what they're doing. And then he comes After back, he said he wanted like, to kill someone. And he's like, I cheated on you, and it gets worse. It... <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's doing that, but that would be, that'd be how we'd lean into it. Yeah. Hey, you're not. You, oh, boy, you're going to be bad. <laughs> I'll lead with the murder first, so she's not as pissed when I bring up the infertility. <laughs> so Charlie cools off for a I whole would, year after. I would, I would, I wouldn't want her to break up with me. No, over that. So I won't tell her about the sexual. So I'll just, I'll just tell her about the murder, so she knows she's still the, the, the queen of my the heart. Definition of a ride or die situation. Yeah. Holy shit. Okay. Sorry. He takes a year off for her. Yeah, for her. He takes a year off. He takes a year <laughs> off. Uh, he's dating. He starts dating this girl uh, named Gretchen Fritz. Okay. Which is a perfect name. The names yeah. in this story are great. Yeah. Uh, now Gretchen's the daughter of a very prominent local surgeon. Okay. A rich guy, mm-hmm. and uh, and uh, he's a very prominent community leader. You know, he's a rich guy. You know, so uh, yeah. there are two motives for Charlie here. Uh, there's two ways this could have gone down, and we're not exactly sure how. One, uh, Charlie, like I said, was a pathological liar, but he was also a braggart. Like, he loved talking up his own shit, and he told a lot of his little hangers-on that he had killed a girl after he killed Eileen Rowe. He just is straight-up telling a lot of people. <laughs> this guy is, okay, yeah, highly unprofessional as far as murderers go. No, he was a slob. He should have been caught a lot quicker. Uh, <laughs> But uh, he, uh, yeah, he's just telling, but everybody was either kind of enamored by him or afraid of him or both. Mm-hmm. That's how all of the, like, that's how Mary French talks about it. That's how John Saunders talks about it. That's how this other guy, uh, Richie Bruins, <clears throat> talks about it. We're going to get into Richie here in a second. And how um, old is he at this point? He's 22. Oh, okay, so actually about a year later, yeah, he's 20, 23 at this point. Um, okay. And he's dating uh, a 17-year-old. So this is what I'm talking about. Yeah. College seniors. Mm -hmm. Um, There are guys who do that. And it's like also, uh, have you ever seen Dazed and Confused? Yes. Matthew McConaughey in that. Crazy. Yeah. Is kind of this guy. Yeah. You ever seen a kid who like dresses up as that character for Halloween or something? Or like will have that? I I love it when a woman does it. I I find it very funny. When a woman does it. But like I remember... In high school, there would be guys who would like dress up like that, and I'd be like, "Oh, that's funny." And then I would like see a couple quotes from the movie, and be like, "Oh no, <laughs> you wanted to be that for Yeah, <laughs> he's only kind. He's he's cool because he's a dick. He's a bad person. Like, yeah, and everybody <laughs> thinks he's funny because he's a dick. Yeah, like, yeah, and <laughs> and like and, and might possibly friend. be a pedophile. Like, <laughs> like a for sure threat to <laughs> the safety and well being. Yeah. But but we think about that now because we grew up with stories like this. Yeah. Not stories like that. Like we see in the seventies, like when that movie is set, there was a lot less like that sets off red flags. Like they didn't have helicopter parents in the seventies. Like we do now. 
so yeah so charles schmidt honestly maybe america's first feminist <laughs> i don't know how you get there <laughs> well that's what it sounded like you were getting at uh no your words not mine uh okay i know i lost that thread somewhere joe i don't know where you, i i think i'm gonna read you inspired a lot that, of conversations it sounds like a lot of conversations you're right about that i'm gonna read you something that he wrote later okay. and see if you think that he is a, a feminist oh no is it gonna um, get much worse <laughs> oh, not that much worse. Okay. It's just, we'll, we'll get to it. So, one, he, he, he has two motives, because I'll, I'll spoil it for you. He ends up killing Gretchen Fritz. Um, ah. That's victim number two. Uh, only, but, had uh, only had eyes for Only had eyes for the plain one. That's <laughs> <laughs> so brutal. That's <laughs> uh, mean. Uh, Harold Schechter, that's so, mean of you. You know when... Like a young girl dies in a serial killer thing, and they're like, "She was a beautiful young woman." Do you think they're that's like the detective after seeing the body, or they probably knew her before she died? I bet. I you you look at a lot of pictures of the alive. <laughs> that's what it is. Version of the child person. I thought I was gonna say how many how many young beautiful dead teens do you have to see as a detective before you're like maybe I just like the people. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there's something to that. I wanted to be a cop when I was a kid. I thought I could be a detective because right. I thought I liked this world. Well, cracking cases crack. is cool, yeah. Yeah, well, figuring stuff out. Like, yeah. Then I kind of realized I much more like not puzzles. I don't like puzzles. Like, yeah. I, I don't have an analytical mind in that way. I'm yeah. much more you like creative, creative. solutions. Right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a left-brainer, right-brainer. I don't remember what the... Yeah the myth was but anyways, anyway, anyways so uh there's two reasons he would have wanted to kill like i said he's telling everybody he might have told gretchen fritz that he killed eileen Rowe, and when they would get into like lovers tiffs she might have threatened to rat on him basically okay. and he felt that he had to kill her the other option that other people say and this is one of those rare cases um that i found something of richie brunes who was one of charlie's friends said that Gretchen was super fucking clingy and it pissed off Charles Schmidt to no end. He was starting oh, to get weird. like sick of her. Yeah. And this is one of those rare things because, like you're talking about with murder victims, they always say the best things about them. Here's a case where somebody who knew the victim was like, she could get a, she could be a bit much. That's so fucking funny. <laughs> but I think you need to be uh, to yeah. understand motive. She's a seventeen-year-old girl. It's yeah. not crazy for her to have an older boyfriend to be clingy on him. She's yeah. probably not super well versed in relationships. And also, he's a fucking psychopath. So it's not a healthy relationship. And some people react to healthy, unhealthy relationships yeah. by like love bombing. You know. Okay. Okay. And I think that could have pissed him off. So he's like, I want to be rid of her. I've killed one girl. Yeah. Why don't I just kill this one? At least I have a reason to kill this one. Well, isn't it like a whole thing like with serial killers? Like they kill a person. Sometimes they'll kill a person and not have plans to kill more. But like they find out they enjoy murdering. And so they just, so so maybe the itch was just coming back and he was looking for an excuse. Yeah. I think Gretchen was a great significant other. I think she was probably nicer than we. She, I mean, she had money. She was probably giving him gifts and whatnot, and being like, "You can take uh, maybe she drive my dad's drive my dad's Lincoln money, Continental though. over to the roller rink, and you know we'll have a we'll have some we'll cold have sodas. <laughs> <laughs> we'll have a Pepsi Cola." Um, 
I just watched this show about uh, Joan Crawford and Betty Davis, and uh, Joan Crawford is a movie star who kind of fell out of favor in Hollywood in the 60s, but she had been married to the CEO or the VP of Pepsi-Cola, so she had like an endorsement. Every time she made a public appearance, she had to be drinking Pepsi. Oh, that's so funny. (laughs) And everybody hated her for it because like nobody likes Pepsi, and she was like schlepping it everywhere. (laughs) That sounds like like a weird half of a would you rather, like would you rather blah, 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 or have a bunch of money, but every time that you make a public appearance, you have to hardcore advocate for Pepsi. I would do it for Coca Cola. I know that yeah. that's probably not a. It's not an ethical company, but I like Coca Cola. Yeah. Um, I don't know. What I'm saying the whole word Coke. Coke. I like Coke. Yeah. Um, well, okay. So uh, I don't know which one of these reasons right. either why he killed Gretchen. Uh, I kind of believe it could be a combination of both. Um, yeah. uh, you know, he's also telling a bunch of people he's not really living. You know, for longevity here, yeah, I don't think so. But on uh, August sixteenth, nineteen sixty-five, Schmidt invites Gretchen and her younger sister Wendy, who's only thirteen, Oof. over to his house, and he strangles both of them. Wow! Uh, in front of uh, his friend Richie Bruins. So there's a witness to this murder. Um, He's just bringing dudes over and killing women in front of them. Well, I, I don't know if I should say that. I don't know. I I, I need to check that. I think I might be wrong about that. I don't know if Richie was there because later I have down that he bragged about it to Richie and showed him the body. So I think it was just the three of them. Yeah. But that's what happened. But have you ever seen the movie Animal Kingdom? No. Okay. Well, I don't want to spoil it for you because it's a very good movie, but there's a scene in it where a guy just straight up kills a girl like, in his home, and it's the most, like, viscerally realistic, I think, as you can get to, like, a hand murder. Yeah. And um, it is a very upsetting movie scene, and that, when I was thinking about this, is all I could think of, because it takes a very long time and a lot of consistent pressure to strangle someone. Yeah. Oh, that's Anytime you hear yeah. about a strangulation in a true crime case, it's more brutal than you think it is uh-huh. because it takes so long and so much force to break someone's windpipe and then to keep it shut for like long, so that they stop getting air and they pass out. Do you know, like, oh, you know it takes like five to seven minutes. Whoa! So that's consistent, like at least like 20 pounds of pressure for like five to seven minutes. And meanwhile, they're fucking kicking and like fighting back and everything. Like I'm not trying, I'm not bragging for Charles Schmidt's strength, but it's anytime you hear about strangulation, I am doing more true crime cases. I'm much more like, Oh fuck. That's hats off to the champ. You know what I mean? No, it just is like sound like so much so much fucking work. Yeah, and like that's crazy. Uh, and that's the Which thing. That's how up. Jeffrey Dahmer killed people. He strangled them when they were unconscious. Oh, like, which is way easier because he was a pussy. Yeah. Um, but like it, his first one was when he was conscious. Worst. Think he, was, he hit him with the. The worst thing you could say about Dahmer is that he didn't have he was a pussy. He didn't have Maxie. That's what I'll say. I didn't like that he found God in prison. I thought that was fucking stupid. Oh, that's lame. Um, but, uh, so he kills... Which one uh, you kill first? If you had to strangle two people and one was 13 and one was, what, 17? 
Oh yeah, I don't know. You, go, I you can go with the thirteen-year-old, obviously easier kill, but then you got to fight off the older one. But then you. Go, I don't know how he does this. I wonder if he takes one into if he goes into like his bedroom with Gretchen, say like I need to talk to you, like and kills her and manages to keep her semi-quiet. Yeah. And then he's able to get the the younger sister sitting out maybe in the here's, room. Here's or what I'm picturing outside. Here's what I'm picturing. A wire attached to your arms that extend way yeah. past your hands. At the end of the wire, oven mitts. That way, when you squeeze something, the oven mitts squeeze something. He does both at once. Gets it. <laughs> he forgot to, the real. The real crime here is forgetting to get it patented. Because uh, how many other murderers? <laughs> it's the real crime. Yeah, he could have really started a small business. They want to. Murderers want to save time. And that's why you stay in school is to remember to get an LLC and all that stuff. That's right. That's why you don't that's, steal that's from the shop. Yeah, I you know what? They might as well. Yeah. Let's say yeah. And as far as serial <laughs> killing go, I mean, to be the first serial killer to be a time saver as well, because they everyone else yeah. a serial killer up to this point has gone one, one, one at a time. But my boy mm-hmm. Joey Charlie S is <laughs> You just insert yourself into this? Do you wish you could be this guy? Look, there are literally not even seven bodies in my basement. And you... <laughs> <laughs> and I'm definitely not at all just, like, spitballing a new murder way to... Uh, yeah. It would be foolish to do it in a public forum where I'm going to post your picture and name. Where I could receive a lot of feedback about, regarding whether people think this would work or not, whether they maybe want to... Yeah, but you would you don't want any of this publicized, Joe, if you're trying to... I mean, unless you're just going out in a blaze of glory, like, if this is yeah. up to your mass shooting... But like I, I don't think we're talking oven mitts. If you're just walking into a, you know, a Jason Aldean concert with an AI. Maybe that's the saddest part of serial killing of all. Is after all your hard work, if you're you want to get away with it, you can't let anybody know. Yeah, the loneliness. Yeah, and that to me is. I think that's what Ted Bundy wrestled with. Yeah, and and that might be worse than death is being lonely. And so, oh, there are a lot of things worse. So who's the real? So who's the real victim, Colin? The lonely serial killer or the people who... The people he killed? The people he killed. And I would say, at a close second, the families of the people he killed. All right, that's your opinion. (laughs) (laughs) You're such a bro. Uh, You're such a frat kid. Do you understand if it weren't for comedy, we would have probably never crossed paths. You would have never heard of you as a, and I would have looked like, at you and Joe's going to give me a swirly. I would have, and I would have looked at you and been like, that's a Colin's pretty cool guy. He doesn't like me for some reason though. And I would have never, <laughs> I would have never pieced it. That's down. how it was with Jameson Cox for a while. He's not going to, yeah. I don't think he listens to this podcast. <laughs> I, 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 I when we first started, um, hey Jameson, uh, nice, nice name, you, <clears throat> you, vodka boobs. Anyways, nice, nice. Jameson's a whiskey, but good try. Ah, uh, well, it's a different type of alcohol. Did you think Jameson's I? It was Jameson's Irish vodka. No, no, no. I was just going for a different uh, a type of alcohol. And honestly, I think that might be a, a joke of Jameson's now that you say whiskey, and that's probably why I avoided. Oh yeah, it is. It's, it's about it. he. He makes jokes about it. whiskey. Oh, yeah, yeah. never mind. Okay, I'm not going to spoil it for anybody listening to podcasts going to Jameson's. I no, but he, I actually. 
I think I treated Jameson poorly when I first get, was getting to know him because I, I was resentful toward he, yeah. he He reminded me of people who were mean to me as a young man, and I was just yeah. like, I don't want to... I'm too old for that. Like, and I, I think would I say there is, a, there is quite a bit of that in creative writing school like classes that I oh yeah and I do like I get it and it doesn't even hurt my feelings but it is entertaining to watch someone learn that I'm not gonna like swear at them and call them a pussy in front of everyone like I, I like I do like to read and write and I I'm in this class for a reason anyways but that's a yeah, fun yeah. well it's weird watch every semester <laughs> I feel like I straddle the line too between. Because mm-hmm. in Iowa, I was like an artsy kid, and right. when I'm out here, people think I'm like a hick. That is like so funny to like, like a Nick Offerman, like salt of the earth yeah. boy. Yeah. And I, I'm presupposing a lot about my peers out here in yeah. Portland. We'll see how if anybody reacts to that. I mean, white dude with a mustache is always going to be able to switch over to that hick boy. Well, I've talked about this before, but when I was in Iowa and before I moved out here, I was like, yeah, we're moving to Oregon. People are like, oh, that makes sense. You look like you should be in Portland. Yeah. And then when I'm out here, people are like, where are you from? I'm like, Iowa. They're like, oh, you look like you're from Iowa. Yeah, you just got a Midwestern face. So I'm like, I just, I have the, but it's it's nice to know that I, my, you know, it, it you, connects. You have belonged everywhere you've been. Yeah, funny. it means it means that I, I seem to be fitting my journey yeah. at this point, aesthetically at the very least. <laughs> Aesthetic, you know. Which is the only way it matters. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm doing the long sideburns again, a little throwback to the college days. I got the, I like the long the, the cru- I got the crustache and I got my aviators. <laughs> I, I look I look scary. Uh, or I think I just look like a like a like a reporter in the seventies. Yeah. Uh, I, which I like. You know, I think about a lot the glasses, the Dahmer glasses. You remember how that was like a whole thing? Mm-hmm. I saw like videos of, a, I think it was just like a movie or something that was shot in that era that he was murdering. Uh, that's just the glasses mm-hmm. that people wore back then. I had no idea. Yeah. That's just, oh, yeah. No. Guys, people are like, oh, those are Dahmer glasses. No, those were just how they made. Glasses? Yeah, the, just aviator st- glasses were just very wire rim specific. I have more like the tortoise shell. Yeah, but the wire rim. Yeah, uh, that's what it a- is. Aviators were very popular for a long time. My parents, I think, both had. A pair, I'm sure mine did like, too. Back yeah. in the day, yeah, that's they were just popular glasses. Yeah, popular glasses shape in the 70s and 80s yeah. and through the 90s, and they're kind of coming back now. Yeah, hence. honestly, cool but, glasses shape. No, they look nice, and also oh, if you like aviator sunglasses, which I do. Yeah. Yeah. If you want to, even a serial killer can pull them off. Yeah. Hey, glasses so durable they'll stay on your head when you strangle a guy. I feel like I gotta take these off if I'm murdering somebody. Like just like unless I'm using a gun, with, in which case I. But with the Dahmer glasses, you don't. He kept. Yeah. Right. He saw. Oh, and it's such a it's such a good like horror movie image too to see yeah. like the 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 blood like on the lens yeah, like, ah, yeah. Anyway. anyways i love shit like that yeah. i like gross out shit yeah so uh schmitty like i said bragged to the murders about a bunch of friends but specifically to richie bruins and then he showed him the bodies of the yeah. two sisters uh gretchen <clears throat> and wendy out in the desert yeah and a little bit later in september of 65 so just about a month later okay uh schmitty goes on a blind date with a 15 year old girl and then immediately decides to marry her gets the parents permission and they get married See, here's um, the thing. Why do we ever question a serial killer's like motives when 
they're in a brain who does stuff like murder and then also like marry a 15 year old like obviously his brain doesn't work this, with the same logic that ours do and we're like no because but also i think like why would we have murdered in that scenario but he probably just likes this murdering. is what's so weird I think he liked murdering, but I also think he was scared of the consequences. So if he got married, somehow that would look better for him if he got in trouble. That's like a very much thing of the era, I think. It's like to appear stable and like you wouldn't murder people, it's good to have a wife at home. Okay, yeah. So it's a weird little like thing. And I also think it's one of those weird things how like, Yes, it seems illogical, but it probably made a lot of sense to him in the moment. Yeah. And that shows kind of where society was in terms of how you can pass as not a murderer. It's like, <laughs> just Jesus marry a 15-year-old yeah. and you're good. Yeah, it's going to be like, what a, what a saint, this fellow. <laughs> now, watch someone clip out that little thing and make it famous as a sound on TikTok. Uh, Fingers crossed, baby. Yeah. <laughs> fingers crossed that's how i want to blow up i'm sure yeah you know you can tell that about me (laughs) so uh he gets married like i was talking about he moves into a house with her everything seems to be going okay except for he is like slowly breaking down his behavior gets really erratic he's like creeping people out and stuff um so also richie brunes is getting freaked out too the guilt of seeing these bodies and also i forgot to mention he helped him move the bodies to another location so the the guilt of this is starting to weigh on richie brunes also because richie brunes has a girlfriend at this time that he really likes but charles schmidt has always had eyes on her and, and always Charles been kind of, always been the one to do the murder in, and Richie Brooms always, always the one just to drag him away, and girls like a doer. So well, yes, what, exactly. What is, he, what is he doing that's so creepy? You said he like marries a fifteen-year-old, moves it like Gosh. okay. Besides marrying the fifteen-year-old, that what, is creepy. Yeah. So then you said his behavior got like he just was hanging around the house all day and stuff. He's hanging around the house. He was mowing lawn all day and yelling at people for not taking care of their yards and stuff like that, apparently. Um, He was uh, getting very quick-tempered with people in everyday situations and non-threatening things, which he was a bit quick-tempered before, but he was always kind of... People thought he was charming with it. It was kind of more like a... Like, he was trying to do a James Dean-y, like, eh, little rebel thing, you know? Or whatever the fuck. But now so, he's just um, But now he's just batshit. Yeah. Um, by the way, one thing I didn't mention about his appearance that he had been doing along with the fake uh, mole and the makeup. Uh, right. I have it written here. I forgot to say. He, uh, you know how Elvis had the really, like, the little lip pout? He had, a, like, a really thick little yeah. lip and people thought he that was, was really that. sexy. He, he fucking would hang a clothespin from his lower lip ah. to make it puff up. So it would look like that. This dude, again, was torturing himself for a look. Like, Yeah. His whole life is... It's bullshit. Yeah. Okay. It's And it's kind of sad at times, but you end up like not feeling bad because he was such a... We it's all know people... Rapist. Bad guy. Uh, <laughs> but he's front... We all know somebody who fronts is really confident and like almost yeah. kind of dangerous, and it's usually hiding some really deep insecurity. Carson Tuttle. <laughs> Tell you what, that guy needs to slow down or else he's gonna... That he's guy's just going, life is 
sign right off the tracks. I'll tell you what. Hundred miles an hour. He's never. Yeah. He's Can't always foot. On both ends. Always on the gas. So. <laughs> Carson Tuttle more like cocaine Tito's. You know. <laughs> That's because that's what he has for breakfast every day. That's what he has for breakfast, yeah, before he goes to teach children. <laughs> so, uh, Richie was scared. He thinks Carson, that... Carson, we hate you. We uh, hate you so much, Carson, but we love you. Um, I don't. But, uh, <laughs> you're probably going to see him soon. I'm jealous. Double doubt. I know, I'm really excited. <laughs> so, uh, Bruins gets scared. He thinks his girlfriend's going to be next. Uh, because Charlie is talking about us. Uh, she's, uh, so he gets scared, and he eventually calls the cops and says, hey, I know where the Fritz girls are. Uh, Charles Schmidt killed them, and he leads them to the bodies. And then Charles is arrested and put in jail. Sounds harrowingly similar to when I was seven, and we, me and my brothers used to pee in Gatorade bottles and bury them in the backyard, and then one day our little brother was like, it smells bad, and he showed our dad. Yeah, like that's super similar. Stabbed in the back. That's super similar, Joe. <laughs> Sounds eerily similar. <laughs> so let's get into some fun facts, should we? Let's do it. So uh, Charles Schmidt, before all these murders, are in between uh, the the murders of the Fritz girls and getting married. He went to California for a <laughs> while to hide out, and he got arrested for impersonating an FBI agent so he could wow. look at women's bodies on the beach. What? Yeah, this guy was a fucking creep. <laughs> I have so many local creeps who do that without impersonating anyone. Yeah, so he got arrested for that, but, but he managed anyways, to skate uh, on the charges. He managed to kind of talk his way out of it. Um because people thought he was charming, apparently, but he, he was, like I said, this is part of this whole pathological liar, braggart type of thing. He always yeah. is trying to aggrandize himself. He's one of those guys who, you know, you're watching a movie, like a Western movie, and some guy pulls out a rifle and is like, I used a rifle like that once to take down a fucking buffalo when I was out in Montana. I was out there hunting with my uncle. And just makes up this story, yeah. hugely aggrandizing himself on the spot, just trying to make him build himself up. And for right. people who similarly feel insecure, they latch on to that, like I'm saying. That's yeah. like the weirdest crux of this part, is that being an arrogant, lying asshole was, like, cool to a bunch of kids. That So much so that they knew yeah. that this guy murdered people. They knew he murdered their insane. peers. He and they were just like, people. yeah, He's but we don't want to... Yeah, he was he was sloppy. He's not one of these calculated guys who's like, I'm gonna kidnap a girl and take her to a secluded spot and kill her yeah. and dismember her body so I can get away with it. He's and like, then my fucking... reputation will keep me safe. That's the crazy. Yeah, part. exactly. So um, he gives me. There's very big cases that I've been following lately that I read up on partially for the podcast, and one because it's been in the news is there's I don't know if you're familiar with the Murdoch cases <laughs> that are going on in South Carolina right now. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the case of this very powerful and rich family of lawyers yeah. who the youngest son was killed by his dad along with his mother, the dad's uh, wife, um, because the kid was a drunk, uh, a, high, a teenage drunk who crashed a boat, which yes. resulted in the death of a young girl. And uh, because of that, oh, I think okay. the father was afraid and killed his kid over it. But I get very big, like, Paul Murdoch vibes from Charles Schmidt, because, like, obviously the Schmidts weren't as rich as the Murdoch family, but they were, um, you know, 
very, very loose with their boundaries on their son. And like I said, yeah. they gave him a car, they gave him a motorcycle, they indulged him with money, they let him fucking live for free. He had a lot of, like, yeah. opportunities. I just think he got fucking bored, like Paul Murdoch, and started yeah. drinking and partying. And what made him feel good was that he felt rebellious. And right. he felt like, oh, I can do fucking anything because I got all these people behind me. That's yeah. very big Paul Murdoch and very big, like, kind of Michael Skakel vibes as well, who okay. uh, I think murdered Martha Moxley in the 70s. That was a big case because he's related to the Kennedy family. That's an upcoming wow. episode of Murder oh, Castle. Cool. Keep, keep an eye. So I'm very, you know, oh, yeah. spoiled, very bored kid, drinks a bunch, decides he wants to kill somebody and see what it feels like. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> that's kind of those the three big cases, with this one being kind of the weirdest uh, but it, to go along with the pathological liar thing, he said the limp that he had from, you know, stuffing his boots with beer cans and newspaper, he said that he got that fighting with the mafia. And they only injured the bottoms of your Just feet? Just the bottoms of his feet. <laughs> now, just... Joe, you're Italian from Chicago. That's not how the mob does it. If they don't want you moving, you're not going to, your your knees are going to be busted. They don't lightly scrape the bottoms of your feet in the hopes you get a paper cut. <laughs> yeah, no, no, it's bullshit. Okay, so let's go into some aftermath because I gotta, I, we're running out of time. So I, sure. we got Leopold. Like, so this is kind of like I talked about Leopold and Loeb with Haley uh, from Lucky Cat. So like this, that case, this case was really big in the news at the time, but then like very quickly fizzled after the guy went to prison. Um, okay. So like, so it's not talked about a whole lot, but the, it resulted in some great journalism. There's a piece that was written by. It was like Playboy and Life Magazine, and the one for Life Magazine was just recently selected, or not recently at all, um, selected to go into like the Library of Congress annals on true crime nonfiction writing because it was so well done. Uh, yeah. F. Lee Bailey, who is a lawyer, celebrity lawyer, known for O.J. Simpson, Sam Shepard, Patty Hearst, big true crime guy. You hear a lot about F. Lee Bailey. He was brought yeah. in to consult. I don't know who he was consulting, if it was the press, if it was the defense yeah. prosecution. I don't know. He was a defense attorney. But uh, not he lost his license in a couple of states, uh, including Massachusetts, for being oh, kind crazy. of a shithead. He was more okay. of a headline chaser. He was more of a showman, F. Lee Bailey, but a fascinating yeah. character. Um, mm -hmm. So Schmidt was convicted of three murders in 1966 and sentenced to death. Uh, but wow. Arizona got rid of the death penalty in 1971, so his sentence was turned to 50 years, just 50 years from that point, which seems oh. kind of light that, he, like, ostensibly he was... 30 something not quite 30 he was 29 yeah so 50 plus 20 79 like he could don't still those guys, potentially yeah. like get out at 79 don't those guys usually get like 300 years were they just not usually you get three life sentences if you don't get death but i guess since they yeah. gave him death and they then gave also him, like, the time served and the yeah yeah, well, yeah, I don't know if they charged him with that though. They might have just charged yeah, him. yeah because usually they charge with like all the things added up yeah 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 which they should have. I think they, he did have some other charges. But uh, sentence was commuted. Yeah. Um, and in 1972, he escaped prison with another Whoa. triple murderer, this guy named Raymond Hudgens. They managed to get out to this ranch and held four people hostage for part of the day. And then they left the ranch and went to a Sonic and had some burgers. And then, then later, they were arrested and recaptured and taken back to prison. So he got out Whoa. for a little, for like, I think it was like 24 to 36 hours total. Damn. How, how did he get out? Do you know? 
I oh, don't off the top. He had several escape attempts. I would bet because it's there. I don't know if it was a super like crawl through the vents, get through the sewers, Shawshank type of deal. It was yeah. probably more like bribe somebody for this, you know, yeah. jacket, and then we're gonna get on this truck, you know. And right, that's always part of it. I love bribe great stories. I I don't know the details of it. I didn't look super yeah. in depth. I think it was a very like walk out the front door in plain sight, but slightly disguised kind of thing. Yeah. But anyways, he got recaptured, and he, uh, you know, about four years later, in 1975, Charlie went to the shower one day, and two other prisoners came in and stabbed him 47 times. Wow. Um, That's now, a long these time prisoners, to wait to kill him. Yeah, I wonder if it was some kind of beef he had after being in prison for a while, or if it yeah. was something... To do with, you know, child murderers don't tend to live very long in prison. That's what um, I've heard. Because yeah. a lot of people in prison aren't in prison for things as serious as murder, but they're mm-hmm. in for very long sentences for other things, and yeah. they don't care, so they make a community out based on morals, certain morals in prison. Yeah. Um, and then if people don't align with those, they fucking kill them. There's a lot of child molesters who get fucking murdered in prison. That's what, yeah. Um, That's the only thing I'm aware of, yeah. You know, and child murders, he murdered a 13-year-old girl who was not yeah. even... And it seemed like, if you look into the case, it seemed like he just killed her because he felt like adding another. Yeah, there was no... Or he had, like, sexual designs on this 13-year-old girl. Yeah. Um, it kind of rings about one of the most horrific cases I've ever read or listened to. <clears throat> the case of Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka, who were a couple of Canadian murderers. That's hey. kind of fun. Canadian story. Um, who, one of their victims, their first victim was, the, was Carla Homolka's younger sister. And Paul Bernardo was obsessed with her and wanted to keep her like as a sex slave. Um, so it remind it gives me that kind of inkling and yeah. Paul Bernardo was similarly kind of like he was the 1980s like fucking Wall Street version of this guy yeah like, he like, had followers because he was like Charles me. in charge yeah yeah piece of shit Paul Bernardo yeah. um <laughs> so but uh he was stabbed like I said 47 times he lost a kidney and yeah. he lost an eye okay so means he probably got stabbed in the face but he survived those wounds for almost three more weeks he died 20 days after the attack um, of the wounds sustained i don't know if maybe he just got an infection from the surgery or if it was just too much on his body um so some some aftermath facts so in in the early 70s charlie took up an interest in poetry so uh that's kind of fun (laughs) Started writing poetry, and apparently he was not terrible at it. Oh, no. He sent, he sent some off to this guy, Richard Shelton, who was an English professor at the University of Arizona. And okay. uh, this guy helped Charlie workshop some of his poetry. Uh-huh. And uh, he said he was, quote, quite talented. But I'll let you decide uh-huh. for yourself, Joe. We're gonna <laughs> read, I'm going to read one of his poems for you. This, and this is the thing where you can decide if you think Charles Schmidt was a feminist or not. This is a poem called Ladies in Love. Oh, no. <laughs> Ladies should never fall in love. They become stars no one can reach. To appear taller, they cut their heads off and stand on them. 
Some carry their breasts in gunny sacks so as not to appear pretentious. At night, they unbutton their nerves in front of vibrators and stare at collections of bearded men. Some fall in love with dark vowels and foreign accents. At night, they can be seen talking in taverns with dangerous criminals. Their voices are small animals waiting to be fed. Ew. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that gross? <laughs> My question is, who is this Richard Shelton guy who's reading shit like that and just like, oh, yeah, there's something to this? It's like, we're thinking it. He says it. <laughs> this guy this fucking dick anyways so he said for better or worse i critiqued his work and apparently he thought it was pretty good um schmidt was also the inspiration for uh this short story by joyce carol oates who you might have come across uh if you're an english major like i did i came across this short story in college called where are you going where have you been and uh, it's about a, a young girl who is duped into uh, getting uh, into a car with an older guy um, because he has a girl with him. And uh, he's kind of, she can tell he's dangerous, but she's also kind of drawn to him. And it's just mm-hmm. in this small town. And, uh, yeah, it's a very spooky story. And she gets in the car with him, and it's not revealed what happens, but it's kind of inferred that she, something not good is going to happen to her. Um, so it's very spooky. Uh, also, there was a 1985 movie adapted from the short story called Smooth Talk. Laura Dern's in it. Uh, I've not seen it, but it's an adaptation uh, of that short story. And the idea of a half-suave, half-really-dangerous young rebel has showed up in a lot of books, TVs, and movies, as I'm sure. But this specific case of him being a murderer has shown up in a bunch. There's the Todd Killings. There's a Deadbeat. There's The Lost. There's Dawn, which is a short little thing directed by... That's the exact same plot as the Joyce Carol Oates short story. But uh, it's directed by Rose McGowan. And there's a young adult novel called Half in Love, which is also based on this kind of case. But that's the story there, Joe. That's that's Charles Schmidt, the Pied Piper of Tucson for you. Beans, baby. That's the the Pied Piper of Tucson is such a funny name. Well, it's like the it's Oliver Twist is where is what Fagin is from. That's the character Fagin is the Pied Piper, and he's like he because he's like kind of sketchy or whatever. A bunch of kids are drawn to him. I think that's the reference. Uh, yeah, that's what uh, the media labeled him. Uh, I think the, the I think the name of the being labeled as from whatever town you're from, and mm-hmm. it being like a southernish or western town always gets me. Yeah. Feels very well, Western. I'm glad that if I start murdering people, I would be the Portland something instead of the, you know, Bettendorf. Yeah. Okay, actually, the Bettendorf Butcher would, is a kind of <laughs> sick name for a, for a serial killer. That's the thing. I, I have the mind of a crime writer anymore yeah. because I read so much and so many of the good true crime books are written by journalists who work the case. Yeah. And that's where we get these insane nicknames for serial killers, which they should not do because it it commodifies it in in reality. And like from a sociological point of view, people think it's a bad idea to make them like characters because it kind of dehumanizes the victims. Right. Right. It makes it seem more game like instead of like, you know, somebody who's murdering people. The horrific thing it is. Yeah. That was a thing in my high school. They stopped. uh, I don't know if that was like, if this has happened nationally, but I know specifically at my high school, they, Whenever there was like a, a school shooting, they no one would say the name of the the kid. 
Yeah, that's want, not a thing yeah. with those. And they're trying to move yeah. away from it, which is, yeah, you don't hear, like, James Holmes not the Joker shooter, you know? Right, they, yeah. They always refer to it as, like, the either the, the geographic place, um, mm-hmm. which is... Right. You know, they name it after, like, the victims, kind of. But that's almost worse, I think, in a way, because then that the, that's how those towns are only ever identified, like yeah. this, with this horrible thing, like there's this like, does, Columbine, Colorado will never not be the place where a the first big school shoot the wor- one of the worst school shootings at that point happened. Damn, Columbine, Colorado probably used to be known for like their soft serve or something like that. You know what they're known for that, actually is that's where what? Lockheed Martin is based. So that's where that. America, Lockheed Martin's, who makes all the fucking nukes for the oh, U.S. government. They have government contracts for right? yeah. makings. The yeah. Boeing plant's also out there. Uh, it's yeah. not Columbine. The town is not known as Columbine. That's the name of the hot... I think it's a town nearby, but it's in the town's called Littleton, Colorado. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. But I do feel like that helps to, like, not motivate serial killers or, like, school shooters. Like, it, it motivates the kids. Like, I'm, regardless of how it, like, affects everything else, it at least has the function of not making it seem cool to be a killer, which I yeah. think... Up until very recently, it well, sort of... Well, that was a big problem with... I'm looking forward to doing it on the podcast as Richard Ramirez, because that's a scary case to me, because it's like that home invasion thing we were talking about. But the, the fucking... They made, like, a thing out of his nickname, and all of the options yeah. were cool. They called him the Night Stalker, which sounds, in the 80s, yeah. sounds fucking metal. But like that's a cool name. <laughs> ironically, he was like, I don't want to be called the Night Stalker. I want to be called the Night Prowler because it's after an ACDC song. Whoa! And he was identified <laughs> for wearing an ACDC hat during yeah. one of his murders, where someone survived. So yeah. it was like, so some people called him the ACDC killer for a second. I think ACDC yeah. was, was like not cool with that. <laughs> right, probably. That's crazy. Yeah, but they're Australian. What do they give a fuck? All right. Well, I got to let you go, Joe, <laughs> yeah, but I, I had a really good going. time talking with you. Thanks for having me on this, dude. This hey, is, uh, hey, you have a good bunch of shows and, and you oh, keep killing it. I'm excited for you. To, you too, you man. And, you and the Midwestern boys, I want like you and, and, and Carson and Proctor to all yeah. get like on a train or pile into someone's vehicle I would come out it. here. Or, or yeah. one of us will fly to either end. I will fly to the Midwest, or you guys will fly out here, and we'll double back. Yeah, either and we'll make our way across. Oh, that'd yeah, be yeah, a yeah. fucking dream, dude. You know what I say? You know what I mean? Yeah. Or you get a one-way from Portland. It'd be sick. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stop. All right, all right. Whoop.